everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we only have three, four episodes left with Grace. Yeah. So we're getting down there. Yeah. And today we're doing a Q&A. It's the, I guess, my last Q&A, which <laughs> it sounds so ominous, but like I do a Q&A on my Instagram every week. So. Well, I mean, you're going to die after this podcast is over. Like you're yeah. disappearing. You're going to move to a cave in. Yeah. In, no. <laughs> in Antarctica. Nobody's going to ever hear from you again. So these are the last the last questions you'll answer. This is just one less place I'll be in an already saturated, full of grace internet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before I get into these questions, this episode is brought to you by Night, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow, silk face mask, and more. We'll tell you more about them later in the episode, but you can take 20% off almost everything on their site at discovernight.com with code BADONPAPER. All right, let's get into some opening stuff. What's your high this week? I haven't talked to you in a week. I know because I've been away. My high is that I was in San Francisco for nine days. And it was my big, I guess it was the biggest trip I've done during or I don't know if we're calling this post-quarantine. I don't really know. I say post-lockdown. Post-lockdown. Because we're still in a pandemic, but we can go places. Yeah. So I went to San Francisco. I took my freedom and I went there. Um, You might recall that on our New Year's resolutions episode, I said that one of my goals was to meet two of my friends had babies who both live in San Francisco. One of them had a baby in July of 2020. So I'm very overdue. So I went to San Francisco. I met so many babies. I saw so many friends because I used to live there in 2011, 2012. I ate so many delicious meals. It felt, it was great. That is so nice. That sounds great. It feels like when I go back to New York, I'm just like, I have to like take a day to myself afterwards because you're just seeing so many people and eating out so much. I mean, we'll talk about my low, but I I really thought that having nine days there was going to be sufficient and it was not. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel like I can't I go to I like to go to New York for three days and it's not manageable because I can't see everyone in that time. Tell me about your high. Okay, so my highs and my lows are kind of intertwined. There's first there's a separate high. My Krug champagne, I don't like get paid by them or anything or I don't even really get free champagne, but they have really fun events and their champagne is just the best. It's so, so, so luxe. But they a while back, they had invited me to a champagne dinner and I brought my friend Natalie and my dad was so wildly jealous. I was like, like he was so upset. Like literally, it was like next level of how upset he was that I didn't bring him. And to be honest, like I don't know a ton about champagne. So I didn't realize how nice Krug is. I usually buy of Clicquot. Like I'm not if, if I'm spending a lot of money, it's usually on red wine. So I just, I was ignorant. I just didn't know like how fancy it was. But anyways, the Wait, the how much who, is a bottle of Krug? Like 150. Okay. And it's not at a restaurant, like 150 at the liquor store. Okay. So the brand rep who works for Krug, this is actually really funny. She, um, or she's not a brand rep. She's the marketing director. I should have, I should call her by her proper title. Her name's Jamie and she lives in my building. She, she turned 40, I think, like three days after I did, moved to Charleston the same month I did. So it's wild. She also used to live in New York. But anyways, Jamie and I have become friends and they just, Krug and Zero George just opened up a champagne and caviar bar at Zero George, which is like one of the really special, nice hotels here. 
she invited me, but on the invite, it was like Grace Atwood plus dad. And Cute. my dad and I had like the best father daughter night. We had like these caviar. I ate the deviled eggs. I, I liked it so much, but it was really cool. And this is like a very special, fun thing to do if you're in Charleston because it, it just opened this week. I saw the pictures and I also like that your dad was wearing a spiffy outfit. He got dressed up. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you my high and my low together? Sure, it's I your guess. podcast for four more weeks. Tell me, tell me how you, however it makes sense. Well, so I'm going to Anguilla. I guess by the time that this, I'm going to Anguilla tomorrow. So this drops on Wednesday. I leave on Thursday. Okay. A few days ago, I found out that my boyfriend cannot go, which sucks because like. I was very excited for him to come on my first work trip with me. He's also like, he loves taking my picture for Instagram and stuff. And he's really, really good at it. So I was like, this is going to be so fun. It'll be like a creative collaboration, this and that. But he had a, he's not an Instagram husband. He has a real job and he had like something that was unavoidable and was no longer able to go. So that was really sad. But the high is that my friend Alex is coming now. So that will be fun. And then the other high is that over the weekend, he surprised me and bought a ticket and came for like a really, really quick trip so that we'd be able to see each other because the way our schedules are laid out, it's like one of those like rounds of months where it's just harder. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm sorry he's not able to come to Anguilla. I know. He's now he's he's like so upset about it. Like I think I'm upset because like I was so excited, but I think he's more upset. Yeah. What is your low? Oh, you sound like me. I have two. So I overdid it socially in San Francisco. I was in the city. I was in the East Bay for part of it. And then I was in the city Monday through Friday. Grace, I had 12 social plans in five days. I really overdid it. That is too much. Coffees, lunches, dinners. Like I was such a social butterfly. So I'm ready to hibernate. Definitely overdid it. And then I came back on Saturday and I planned it so that I had Sunday to kind of like do all my errands and my life admin and like hit the ground running. I'm so frustrated. So one of the big things that I needed to do was I needed to get a manicure because one of my New Year's resolutions is I'm not biting my nails anymore and always having a perfect manicure helps. So I've been getting gel um, the past couple of manicures and I got a new manicure. And you know the when they use that like electric file thing yeah. to get the polish off? So they use that and I feel like she used it too much where she started taking some of my nail off. So my nails I are like really weak now. And so this morning, less than 24 hours after I'd gotten this manicure, I was putting on my sneakers and like one of my nails just snapped off. Like the top, the tip of it snapped off. Ooh. So we are now very much in the nail biting danger zone because having not perfect nails is a trigger And especially this one that I can't fix. So I have like beautiful nails except for my one stupid pointer finger that is back to square one after two months of not biting my nails. Okay. Can I just recommend that maybe you put a Band-Aid around that finger so you can't see it? Oh, that's actually a great idea. You won't do anything bad to it. I've done this before. That's actually a great idea. I'm going to do that. (laughs) A fun Band-Aid. I'm also now like feeling the rest of my nails because they're so weak now and I can just feel. I I think it's... uh, some others are going to break, too. I'm so mad. Ugh. I hate that. So it's a stupid Ugh. low, but I'm I'm real pissed about it. 
Well, we're going to do some questions, but first, let's take an ad break to talk about Night. So Night makes my favorite pillow. I sleep with it every night, and it is also the face mask that I reach for most. I am also obsessed with their silk pillowcases, and I'm so happy that the pillow now comes in new colors. I just upgraded my pillows to white. But first, I want to talk about the face masks. So Becca and I both love these face masks. We just find that they're so much more comfortable and breathable than other masks. And they are my go-to when I have to wear a mask for a long stretch like on the airplane. I also love that they have a smart design with adjustable ear loops and a nose clip for a snug fit. I have a very big head, so oftentimes the masks will just like hurt my ears so much because it's pulling on them. Not the case with these. Grace, I was just on a flight back and forth from California and I had an N95 mask that I wore in the airport. And like halfway through the flight, I had to switch it out for my night mask because it's so much more comfortable. I just like couldn't manage. So much more comfortable. So much more comfortable. It was hurting my ears too. So best of all, these masks are made of 100% mulberry silk, which is hypoallergenic. So they also help keep your skin clear and prevent mask knee. But the big news here is that Knight has marked down all of their masks by 50% and you can stack our 20% discount on top of that with code BADONPAPER to get their silk masks for just $22, which is such a steal. They come in six beautiful colors, black, blush pink, gunmetal, navy, emerald, and champagne, and are beloved by Hollywood heavy hitters like Gigi Hadid, Adele, Hailey Bieber, Priyanka Chopra, and more. Then we have to talk about the pillow. Like, I know the masks are amazing, but the pillow is everything, and it is really what... It's kind of like my gateway into my obsession with night. So this pillow, I've had it forever. Even when I moved to Charleston for six weeks last year, I had to steal my mom's because I love it. I cannot sleep without it. I think what is so great about it is that it is really, really supportive. So if you're sleeping on your side or your stomach, it gives you proper head support no matter what position you're in. I also move around a lot at night. So this just helps to keep my head supported no matter what position I'm in. And as a sidebar, I said this before, but I love that they come in all these different colors now. I'm so thrilled that it comes in white. Go to discovernight.com today and use code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off pillows, masks, and more. And remember that their masks are already 50% off and you can stack our code on top of that. So again, go to discovernight.com today and use code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off almost everything on the site. All right, let's get into the questions. So the first question, this is a question that I've been getting a lot in my Instagram Q&As too. People want to know, will Grace ever come back as a guest? Yeah, I'd love to be a guest. I think being a guest on a podcast is so great. You just get to talk about yourself and you don't have to do any of the work. So invite me back anytime. I mean, you have an open invitation, but I guess like we'll let you miss us first. Yeah, I think like maybe every six months. Well, whatever you guys want. It's your podcast. So well, it's still mine for four more episodes, but it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll we'll have to do some catch-up episodes. And if anyone's ever traveling, you can be like the fill-in host. Great. Great. And if you ever have any like new obsessions that you need to share with our podcast audience that are like either bookish or like, I don't know, podcasty in nature, like you have to come back. Yes. I'm into that. You have the equipment. I do have the equipment. Okay. Next question. What's been your favorite and maybe even least favorite book club pick? Okay, what is yours? Oh, I know my least favorite really easily. So my least I know my least favorite too. Is it the same as it listened to your heart? Yes, yes. Oh, if you are not, I feel like we allude to this all the time, but if you're if you haven't been around for forever, so when the podcast started, we only read young adult books. 
And we read kind of like purposefully trashy young adult books. That's not true. We just we read young adult books. It was a it was a young adult book podcast. It's a, yes. it's become a totally different podcast since when we started. Yes. I think we both realized we don't read enough YA to have a YA podcast. Correct. And so there was this book that was coming out and neither of us read it in advance because it like came out that month and it was about two best friends that start a podcast. And I was like, oh my God, we have to read this podcast book. And it was so bad. It It was was so, it was exceptionally bad. It was also really vague. Like the thing that I will never forget is that the main character's main hobby was water sports. And I was like, but which one? Like, water sports is like a category. Water sports isn't an individual hobby. Like, do you like water skiing? Do you like jet skiing? Like, what water sport? Like, that's too vague. It's just a true YA book that's meant for, like, kids. Right. Yeah. It was real bad. So that was my least favorite. That was your least favorite. I mean, I think to be unsurprising. I mean, I think my favorite book club pick and one of my favorite book club discussions was when we did The Idea of You and then when we had Robin Lee on. Yeah. I mean, that book is just like one of the closest books to my heart. It was so good. It's one of my top five, maybe top three books of all time. And then talking to the author about it, I just, that was a, that was a top one for me. Yeah. I loved having Robin over my apartment too. That was so fun. I would say Another one that could be in the mix as a favorite is when we read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and then we discussed it with her because that is another book of my heart. And getting to talk to her. And I would also add The Midnight Library. I loved that book so much, and I liked talking about it with you. Oh, Oh, and you know what else I would add to the list? Verity. Jessica Jessica Simpson's – oh, Verity too – I felt like the conversation around Verity was medium. The book itself I loved. But I did really enjoy the bonus episode we did with Katie Storino where we talked about Open Book by Jessica Simpson. Oh, my God. It wasn't a real book club, but that was just it was just an emergency episode that we had to do because we had to talk about it. Jessica was my best friend early in the pandemic. I literally just took walks and listened to that audiobook and thought that we were friends in my head. Yes. Do you want to ask the next question? Because it's for me. Yes. Becca, what are you going to miss most about co-hosting with me? I'm going to miss having a weekly built-in catch-up with you. I feel like we need to be more mindful about maintaining our friendship because this has been such a convenient outlet that it's like we have an hour of time, non-negotiable, that we have to schedule. True. And even though, you know, sometimes we talk about a certain topic, like it's also just to catch up with you. Like I didn't know about the Sanguila stuff. And so yeah, yeah. I'm going to miss that. So, like, for purely personal reasons, I'm going to miss having the built-in ease of a catch-up. I know. We didn't talk last week because you were in San Francisco, and I I missed you. We did text every day about our Wordle scores. We did. We have Wordle, but we need to have more intentional conversations. I know. Somebody asked if if we'll do a recap on my goals at the end of the year. Probably not. I'll, I'll probably just do my goals on my blog, but... I mean, it feels redundant already talking about them on the podcast and my blog. I like writing more than I like talking, but I'll definitely come back on the pod. So there you have it. You will never hear about whether Grace has achieved her goals or not unless you go to her blog. (laughs) The suspense. The suspense. I know. They're just such big, important goals. My goals were like to be bored and to like take a break and to like not stress out so much. (laughs) 
Somebody asked if we'll visit more now that we don't have a weekly check-in. Yes, we're trying to plan a trip. I really want to go to the Breakers with you. It's too expensive right now. I know. I think I'm just going to come to Charleston instead. Yeah. Or if you can think of another fun destination, I would be totally down. Yeah, you should come to Charleston. I would go to um, – did we look at prices at the surf club in Miami? It was outrageous. Okay. It was so literally like $2,600 a night. I so was not like, that. well, not that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a good reminder. I, I had totally fallen off figuring out what week I can come to Charleston. So we have to plan off the air. Yes, we will. What are each of you looking forward to in your next chapters? I am looking forward to – so I feel like – my work lately has felt like it's in a really good place. Like I feel like I have the right people supporting me, which feels really good. I've had Kristen who runs my partnerships and kind of negotiates things and reviews all my contracts for, we've been working together for like seven years now. I'm very loyal. Like when I find somebody that I work well with, like I, I don't mix things up. And then I have a photographer that I just love. And I mean, I've, we've really been working on, making the images on my site a lot better and for Instagram too. So that's been fun. Like I've spent a lot of time reading fashion photography books and I've just been like trying to be a little more creative with things. And then Maddie has been helping me with my reels, which has been really great having someone to edit those. So that's been great. Maddie also does all the social media and show notes for the podcast. And then I would say there was something else. Oh, the site re- redesign. I'm just so thrilled to redesign my website. I can't wait. How about you? Um. Well, I guess with the podcast, it's exciting to have some new, fresh perspective coming in and like a new point of view and new topics. Like we've done it this for four years. And so there's a lot of content that we've we've covered. And so it feels exciting to have somebody new coming in who has new things to to discuss and a new point of view. Not that I'm it makes it sound like I'm like kicking you out or like I don't mean that I wouldn't no. have been excited to keep doing it with you, but like there's definitely a I freshness mean, that I'm excited for. I felt like I didn't have a lot more to talk about. It's like everything I'd want to talk about, I'm like, oh well we did that. Even if it was four years ago, it felt like we'd just be resurfacing the same stuff. Like I'm not interesting enough to have like I don't have like a new morning routine. It's the same one that we talked about like six, like two years ago or whenever. So I don't know. I think you guys will have a, like with having a new co-host, you'll have so much more to talk about. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing my book and to getting it out there. I'm looking forward to writing a second book. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really excited about all the creative projects I have, but I, I feel like that's the one that I'm kind of like most focused on pushing forward right now. Yeah. Also, I just feel like it'll be so personally gratifying to see a book that I made in print. Yes. Yes. Like a tangible thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have some specific questions just for you. Someone asked, can you tell us anything about the behind the scenes of Bone Mary Berry now that it's out? Oh, this is so vague. I don't know what people want to know. We – okay, let's see. We we sold it last February. And we wrote the script in March or April, right after we finished recording Showmance. So we were in post-production for Showmance, and then we were writing the script for Bone Mary Berry. And we recorded Bone Mary Berry in June. The casting process was obviously much more intense for this. And I think maybe some people don't realize this, just based on some of the questions I got on, on my question box on Instagram. 
So not only do we write the podcast, we also direct and executive produce it, which means like we really stay with it and are responsible for it end to end. So people wanted to know if we got to meet Sarah Highland, which we did because we directed the sessions. Like we were actually the people who were in charge of the the sessions, but we did record everything over Zoom because it was still COVID-y and Sarah was in LA and then Harvey, who plays Gabe, was actually in Toronto filming Reacher at the time. So they weren't in the same place anyway. So it's not as if they would have been, in the, been able to be in the same room. So we recorded it for like, I think most of the recording took like a week. Casting was really intense. There were so many high highs and low lows. Like there were so many times that we just like could not believe the people who were interested and the people that auditioned. And oh my God, I, I feel like I can't say things because I don't know. I feel like it's like gauche to talk about yeah, some of these things that like didn't work out or, or like we're so happy with the cast we have. Like everything absolutely worked out for the best. But if you ever – if you know me in real life and get me drunk, like I have stories. <laughs> yeah, and then we were in post-production all over the summer and it was like mostly wrapped up by the fall. So then I was just sitting in my hands, which was frustrating. Because like, we recorded so many highs and lows episodes oh where God. you'd be like, my fiction podcast is here. And then we'd be like, Allison, Allison's our editor, and we'd have to have her cut it out. I definitely learned a lot about tempering my my expectations because it, it was so different this time because every other time it's just been Rachel and I. So like the, yeah. it's been – we've been in control of all of the decisions. Yeah, totally. What else do you think people want to know? Is there anything else specific? I don't know. It sounded like they were looking for some tea, and I think that you're doing the right thing and maybe withholding. No, I know. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that, like, the recording sessions we had were so fun. Sarah is so funny. Like, she is so impressive. I think working on a show like Modern Family that's, like, a weekly show that, you know, like, I don't know how many episodes are in a season, but, like, I'm sure those early seasons are, like, 22 episodes or something. She is just – her timing is so locked in. Like she barely needed a second take. Like she was just so impressive. But yeah, we had a blast. That's great. I'll put a at some point during the run of this, I'll put a question box on my Instagram if people do have like specific questions that they want to dig into. I'm happy to share anything that's not too gossipy. And why did you pick Nashville as the setting? Oh, so as a plot point, we needed it to be somewhere where weed is illegal. Okay. And so... We wanted it to be in a major city. Weed had to be illegal. And so we kind of just like looked at a map of like where cannabis isn't legalized and we wanted it to be fully criminalized. And so we like we kind of just landed on Nashville because we were like, oh, it's a city that we know well enough. It would be a fun city to place something in. And it like meets that legal requirement. And that was like pretty much it. Yeah. Because like a lot of the other places where where weed is criminal, like weren't interesting places to be a setting or like we didn't want to set it in Texas like I don't know yeah that makes sense so now I have two questions for you that people submitted somebody wants to know are there any Amazon drop lines coming in the future um I mean never say never but no it's not something that I'm working on right now or planning on doing again and for no specific reason it's I I loved doing them I just honestly don't have an item that I think would work at that price point and that Amazon could do well. I'm not going to just do something to do it, if that makes sense. I always want any project I do to be intentional. And like, I mean, I remember when I made those leopard like house dresses, like that was like something I really wanted. And there's nothing I feel like is missing or or needs to be created. So I don't, 
I don't have any plans on doing one. But, you know, maybe again down the road. I don't know. Okay. Well, what is something that's coming up professionally that you're excited about? Really excited about the shoe that I designed with Sarah Flint. It is beautiful. It is – I've been sharing sneak peeks on my Instagram, but it's absolutely lovely and We've had a lot of back and forth about certain design elements. I've been pulling my audience to get their feedback. And it's the design is finalized. I'm getting, I think the next prototype comes in five weeks and it's launching in mid-October. So I cannot wait for that. I'm Oh, we still have a while to yeah, wait. Yeah, I mean, with like Amazon is Amazon and can work on these crazy timelines, but with smaller companies, they just can't work quite that fast. And I mean it's a shoe and it's made in Italy. There's so many technical things. Um but yeah, I'm like I'm thrilled. It, they, I just think it's turned out like it's like the perfect shoe. Oh, I'm so excited to see the final product. Yeah. Let's take a quick ad break before we do more questions. So today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So we are both trying to be really thoughtful about our goals and intentions for the year ahead. It feels like we lost so much time with lockdown and, you know, just getting back into it. I want to be intentional about how I'm spending my time. And maybe you're doing the same. Maybe you want to be a little less stressed. Maybe you need help setting boundaries with someone in your life. Maybe you just want to talk to someone and get an unbiased opinion. And in any of those cases, BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who may be able to help. If you're looking to pinpoint or address anything that interferes with your happiness or prevents you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp could be a great tool for you. Yeah, and they make it so easy. So first, you'll fill out a simple online questionnaire that's going to assess your needs. It'll ask you about your age, relationship status, your past experience with therapy, and what you're looking to address. Then from there, it will match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. From there, you can choose how you want to interact with them. You can message them anytime, no scheduling needed, or you can have phone or video sessions. It's really about finding something that works best for you. And something we really love is that it's not one size fits all. They have counselors who are specialized in specific issues like stress, anxiety, relationships, parenting, addictions, eating, sleeping, trauma, family conflict, LGBT matters, self-esteem, and more. All told, they have over 20,000 licensed professional therapists. And what's great is that they're committed to facilitating great matches. So if your first therapist isn't a fit, they make it free and easy to switch if you need to. And anything you share is always confidential. Best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash bad on paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bad on paper. Into some miscellaneous questions. I don't know why I use that voice for them. This is a hard one. So I'm going to ask it so you have to answer it first. Okay. Where do you see yourself in the long-term future? And then separately, not that this is the long-term future, but where do you see yourself in five years? I honestly hate this question. And I saw Ashley Spivey's answer to this a while ago, and she hates this question too. So it makes me feel okay saying it. I don't know. My answer here is always happy. I just want to be happy. I don't know what the future is going to hold. My career has been really exciting, but all over the place, my life. You know, I just moved to Charleston. I'm so happy here. I'm so happy doing what I'm doing. If I'm doing exactly the same thing I'm doing now in five years, I'll be thrilled. But I just don't know. And I think that's okay. 
this question stresses me out so much. I think it stresses a lot of people out. And you know what else stresses me out more recently? Like the older I get, it's like really binary questions of like, what's your favorite? I guess not binary isn't the right way, but like superlative questions of like, what's your favorite X? Like, what's your number one favorite book? Or what's your number yeah, one favorite, favorite movie? movie. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I hate when I'm asked my one, like, I can give you a handful, but to, I, I don't know what my favorite movie or favorite book would be. That's such a big statement. It's such a big statement. It's, it feels so high commitment where I'm like, oh, what if I'm forgetting something? I've seen so many movies. Like, I, I don't know. It's so stressful. Or like, you know, some movies that you used to say, not you, like me, like some things that you would have said, like you haven't seen as recently, you know? And you're yeah. like, is this my favorite movie still? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Stressful. Where do I see myself in the long-term future? I, if we're wishing, I don't know if this is realistic, but like if we're wishing, like I want to be Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> I want to be the next Shonda Rhimes. I'd love that. That seems great. Like making television shows that are really beloved and like having a, an array of topics and levels of seriousness like that sounds awesome M making a lot of money like being respected sounds great is that realistic i have no idea <laughs> I, I don't know i feel like my my career and my future has changed so much in the past two years that i could not even begin to predict what my life will look like in 20 years I feel like I I don't have some like someday vision that I'm sitting on of like someday I want to move to this place or someday I want to do this thing. Like I feel like I'm doing those things and making progress towards what I want. And I don't know. We'll see what the universe decides. Same. And I don't want to. I just like to like see what happens. And I feel like that's served really well so far. Yeah. I just got really excited because Zoe's going to be eight in five years and that's going to be really fucking fun. Oh, that is going to be fun. Yeah, I don't know. I can't even answer the five years part. I just, yeah, I... I don't think you should have to or even know. I think it's fine not to know. I also hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping that like what happens in five years or in the future is so great in a good way, not in a bad way, not because I like have surprise cancer and have died, but like not to be too, so to be super morbid about it. But like, I hope that what happens is like so incredible that I can't even imagine it right now. Yeah, I like that. The next question is someone asked if, if we have advice for someone starting their own venture, um, going out and working for themselves. Ooh, I do. I feel like I would say try to get your financial house in order from the very beginning with regards to taxes and your business entity registration, et cetera, et cetera. So like find a good accountant who knows these things versus waiting until you're further down the road and then having all sorts of headaches because you didn't do it from day one. So I would say I would say do that. I would also say have a plan. I would say don't quit your job until you're bringing in money from this venture. Like if you can take a project, I don't know what type of working for yourself you're doing, and maybe that is or isn't realistic to maintain it while having a full-time job. But if you can, dip a toe instead of jumping in up to your shoulders because you might dislike it. You might 
not make as much money as you think you will. You might not have as much consistency. Like I would just, I would try to dip a toe. Yeah. I would echo everything Becca said. I would also say plan for health insurance. I feel like a lot of people don't do that. Oh, yeah. Um, Health insurance is really fucking expensive. So you need to be making more from your new venture than you did from your day job. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, like my health insurance right now, I'm pretty sure is $650 a month. Like it's expensive. Yeah. Mine's $800. It's a a lot of fucking money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I would say if you need if you need to quit your job, just make sure you've saved. Like I still remember when I quit my job. So I started my blog five years before I ever quit. And my plan in the beginning was to just keep doing both. And I quickly realized that I was going to slowly kill myself by doing both. And I worked for five years before ended the blog. I did both for five years. And then when I quit, I didn't have I had one sponsored post for the whole month and I was like, fuck, what have I done? And it was really, really scary. But, you know, I had saved, I don't even know how much I had saved, a six months, a year. Like I had saved a lot of money, so I was okay. Just having that cushion helped my my anxiety because I'm an anxious person as it is. Having that cushion helped. Somebody asked, what is your recipe for a good day? Things to do when you're sad and cranky and need to turn it around. I would say go for a walk. Yeah. I have realized the power of walking for my mental health during the pandemic in such a big way. Like I am my own dog. Nine times out of 10, if I'm feeling crummy, if I go for a walk, it helps. It maybe doesn't fix it, but it helps. I would say the other thing is if I have a lot of stuff that I have to do and I don't want to do, I'll plan something like really delicious to get for takeout for dinner so that there's like a light at the end of the tunnel of something that like is exciting. Small exciting, but you know, you're like, okay, if I get through this, I can have pizza. Yeah. I bribe myself with like a good movie that I want to watch after all the shit work is done. I was just going to say more broadly, move your body. Like a walk is great. A run is great. A 10 minute Melissa Wood health video is going to help meditate. Just something to get yourself kind of out of that place. How do you get motivated to set goals? This person says, I'm a new mom at home with a baby and I'm in a rut. I think it's hard because like as a self-employed person, like I just got to do it. Like if I don't do it, I don't make any money and I would have to go live with my parents. (laughs) So having that kind of hovering over my head really helps. I know that's not the case for everyone. So that's but that's my number one is like if I don't do it, like I could be destitute. But (laughs) that's really grim. I would also say making lists helps. I always try and pick the hardest thing on my to-do list and do that first because once it's done, it's done. The other thing is, is setting like a 30-minute timer. I wrote about this on my blog a couple weeks ago, but it's like my number one productivity tip is like I set it for 30 minutes and I I just say I'm going to make as big of a dent in this project as I can. And usually by the time the 30 minutes is over, I've either finished the task or I am so far in that I don't want to stop. So that that helps to motivate. And then after the 30 minute timer, I set it for 15 minutes to do like something fun, like paint my nails or like sit down and read a book or something. And then just do it 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, and then you'll be done. I wonder, I mean, it sounds like this person is in a more difficult situation than you or I find ourselves in with a new baby at home. Totally. And I wonder if this person could grab a few hours 
outside of the house, either leave the baby with their partner or family member or with a sitter and like go to a cafe or take themselves out to lunch and like just get some headspace and some distance from home and carve out that time to think about setting goals. I also would say I think that sometimes it's really hard to like tell your brain that you're going to set goals and like do it right away. So maybe just like have a brainstorming session and like write everything down and then the next week go back and and take another few hours and go through that list and say, oh, like actually I was thinking about it more and like this makes more sense or I don't really care about this. It's just all I could think of in the moment and I felt pressure to write anything down on this list. So maybe make it a two-parter. I also think it would be really cool. One of my friends who's a newer mom, I don't know how young your child is, just went with one of her best friends for like a a two-night weekend retreat with like a best friend. Like maybe if you can get some time away, make it a thing with a friend and like do vision boards and like listen. If you're going on a road trip somewhere to get to wherever you're going, like listen to inspirational podcasts, make a whole weekend out of it, I think could be really fun. And also just refill your well and like make you excited about it. Because sometimes it like sucks when you're like, I have to set goals. I'm in a rut versus yes. I'm feeling inspired and I want to. Yes. That's just even the changing from having to do something to wanting to do something is a good perspective change. Yeah, but I'm not always in that mood. Like sometimes you're just, I'm in a rut. I, I yeah. got to do something to get out of it. Yeah. So I feel that. Yeah, me too. How has your social following contributed to your success? And do you have any tips for growing on social? I mean, for me, it's been everything. I wouldn't have my career without my social media following. I mean, I have my blog, but the biggest source of, besides SEO, of traffic to my blog is through Instagram and and the, um, I want to say swipe ups, but now it's the sticker taps. I would say to help grow on social, I really think just being yourself and being as authentic as possible is really good. Being consistent, like are you posting every day? I hate saying this, playing by Instagram's rules. Right now, they're really prioritizing video content. So if you want to get your con- your stuff shown to more people, a video is going to do a lot better over a photo. Engaged with your community. If you have five followers and they're asking you questions, like answer them, reply to your DMs. I spend, I would say, upwards of at least two to three hours a day just replying to things, whether that's the Facebook group or comments on my blog or reader emails or reader DMs. And I think that it's really important to to write back to people because if you don't engage with them, they're not going to keep following or they're not going to engage with you again. And that's really important. Just kind of as like a, almost like a customer service thing. Like you don't want to have someone ask you a question and have it go unanswered. But I really think that consistency is the biggest one. Like you have to kind of set a schedule. Like for the podcast, we post every Wednesday. Like on my blog, I post every day except Sunday. When you are really consistent, it's like people kind of know what to look for and they come back on their own and look for it. And then Instagram is constantly changing things. So stay up on the algorithm rules. Stay up on what what is important to them because if it's important to them, that's the stuff they're going to show. And it's been a – I'm a very stubborn person. I want to post photos, but I'm slowly adding more videos and playing by their rules a little bit more so that they will hopefully show my content to more people. On my end, I mean, I would say having a much smaller social following has, like, enormously contributed to certain areas. Like, I 
think if I didn't have an Instagram following, I would absolutely still be able to do my consulting work. It would have no effect there. But with something like rom-com pods, for instance, like I think that audience of people who already knew me and wanted to support me were was so huge in getting something like that off the ground because it is so hard to launch a podcast. It's so hard. Like discovery, the system is against you. Apple and Spotify make it really hard to discover new shows. It's not like, you know, on Instagram, there's like the discover page or something like there isn't that for podcasts really. And so, you know, I think it, it has been tremendously like the number one contributing factor, I think, to like getting people to try out rom-com pods. So like, I'm so grateful for that. I will say I have been way less thoughtful in how to grow my social. I've kind of just taken it as it's come. I really wanted to have 10,000 followers because back before they changed it, that's how many you needed to have links. But after that, I, I just kind of was like, oh, I don't really care. Like, this isn't how I make my money. If I grow slowly or if I don't grow, that's okay. I want the people to be here who want to be here. So I wasn't really stressed about it. I will say just from observation, the number one thing that helps me grow is when somebody who is aligned or adjacent to me talks about me in their story. A few months ago, Ashley Hesseltine from Girls Gotta Eat posted a, a list of books and she was like, Becca Freeman recommended all these to me and I got 500 followers in a in a night. And so I feel like those things are really meaningful versus some of the things where you try to like game the system don't really get you more followers. I don't know if there's a community that you can engage with around whatever topic you're writing about on social. So, you know, whether that's bookstagram or cooking or food insta or something, like getting involved in those communities and finding people who like you can support and vice versa, I guess. But yeah, I've come into this at a weird time where I feel like people aren't growing like gangbusters the way they they used to be. And I don't know, I feel grateful that I'm not trying to grow this to some crazy extent because I think it would be would be really hard and it would be like a recipe for for disappointment. It's very stressful. I mean, I don't even really care if I grow on Instagram that much more. I just don't want to be losing followers and I want to keep the community that I have. It is, it's just, it's, it's really hard. They make it really tricky. Just like it seems like that's, is the same with podcasts too. Yeah. If somebody wants to invent a good podcast discovery platform, <laughs> I feel like that's warranted. That'd be a great invention. I don't know. There's just so much content. It's just like, you know, there's no good reads for podcasts. Yeah. Or maybe there is. Maybe I just don't know about it. Here is a fun, lighter question. What are you all watching right now? So right now I am watching TV-wise, I'm watching The Dropout, which is the show about Elizabeth Holmes, not our friend Elizabeth Holmes, the one that... Theranos Elizabeth the, Holmes. The one that founded Th Theranos. Amanda Seyfried plays her. It's great so far. I've only seen a few episodes, but I'm enjoying it. I've heard really good things about that one. It's really good. I've honestly been more focused on movies right now. I've almost seen all of the nominations for Best Picture, so that's a big a big focus for me. And then working my way through the AFI 100 list, which is just like a list of 100 classic films that like the AFI, it's the American Film Institute, has deemed necessary or important. And so I've been working my way through those, and it's just been such a great way to get more familiar with old movies. I wasn't really allowed to watch like TV and movies as a kid, so there's so many older things I just haven't seen. 
it's been a really fun little activity. And I have a couple of friends here in Charleston that are, are doing the same challenge. And then my boyfriend's really into old films. So I always like someone to watch it with. But I am now I think I'm at 42 out of 100. Does it change every year or it stays the same? They haven't updated it since I want to say 2007. That could be totally wrong. I think Okay, they no, to- that's good because I feel like yeah. if it was a moving target and they changed it every year, that would be so stressful because you would have to average three movies a week to get through it before they changed it. Yes. It's a it's really fun. There's a quiz online if you search AFI 100. I also like every couple months do an update on my blog as to like how many I've watched and like little reviews of each one. I mean, it's hard because I'm very inconsistent with movie watching. Sometimes I'm doing like double features a couple times a week. Sometimes I won't watch a movie for like a couple weeks. I also am like, you know, some some months I'm reading a lot. Other months are more TV and movie focused. What about you? Let's see. So last night, I just finished um, A Discovery of Witches, the TV adaptation of the book series, which I really enjoyed. It's three seasons, and this third season is the final one. So I just finished that last night. I do think that it's more for readers of the book series than like a net new audience. I think it might move a little fast and be a little confusing if you were net new to it. So take that as you will. I'm also loving euphoria. I am one episode behind. I'm going to finish it tonight. The season finale was last week. So I'm loving euphoria. It is just so good. So I have like one more episode there. And then I'd said a couple weeks ago that I was really looking forward to Bel Air, the new dramatic remake of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And then all the reviews were such trash. But then Rachel watched it and she said that she really liked it. So I might give that a try once I'm once I'm through this. Please keep me posted. I'm intrigued by that. I will. And then I have two things that are coming out later this month that I'm looking forward to. So I'm not watching them yet, but I'm looking forward to watching them. The first one is Bridgerton season two comes out on March 25th. and I'm very excited for that. And then also there's I think it's a mini series about Julia Child. It's called Julia and it's going to be on HBO Max and it comes out on March 31st. And I'm really excited about that. And I've watched no movies. Literally zero. Oh, I watched Marry Me. We have one more question. Can't wait to keep listening to Bad on Paper. But what are your other favorite podcasts hosted by two best friends? So I feel like my number one is A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica. Um, And they have been guests on our podcast in the past. And I feel like they have just such a good vibe. And they have interesting topics. And like they're, they're pretty much like a... A can't miss podcast for me. I listen to that all the time. And then another podcast that I'm really into, which is definitely niche topic wise, I listen to Happier in Hollywood, which is hosted by two best friends who are also screenwriting partners. They are showrunners for the new reboot of Fantasy Island, not Love Island. And I really enjoy listening to that too. And I think it's really interesting because they also are work wives. So they work together in addition to being friends. And I think that that dynamic is really interesting and really personally relevant to me. What about you? I am going to give you two racks. One is the first is of a kind. It's um, a thing or two. I was going to say of a kind. A thing or two by Claire and Erica. The second would be Girls Gotta Eat. I love both of them. The only reason I didn't say that was because I was like, I'm positive Grace is going to say this. Those two. I I think they're both 
great. I'll tell you, I haven't listened to a podcast that's not ours in like a year. I think I listened to one random Brene Brown one in like one episode of Girls Gotta Eat. I've been really into audiobooks, so I'm getting more out of that than podcasts right now. But I do miss both of those podcasts. Okay. Before we get into end matter, let's take another quick break to talk about pros. So by now you've heard me rave about pros, which is the world's most personalized hair care. But in case you haven't, I want to tell you about the incredible results I've been seeing with my customized pros products. So I've been using pros for almost two years now, and my hair looks so much better. It's healthier, it's shinier, it's fuller. And take this from someone who has pretty lackluster hair to begin with. My natural hair is really fine. It's on the thinner side. And I just feel like pros has made a really big difference. I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to say this in an ad for pros, but um, I, I pay for the product the same as anyone else. Recently, I ran out and I had all these bottles of shampoo in my in my shower just because I had started using it and, and didn't use up everything else first. And I was like, well, let me finish some of these bottles before I reorder my pros. And I think I only lasted like two weeks because I could tell such a big difference when I wasn't using the pros. Like I wasn't going to stop using it, but I was like, let me just use up some of this other stuff first. Um, I don't know if shampoo expires, but like, let me get rid of this old stuff. And I caved. I like bought a new bottle of pros right away because I, I couldn't even make it two weeks. So Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. It takes five minutes and they ask you about everything from your hair type and styling routine to some less expected questions like about your diet, exercise routine, and zip code so they can take into account environmental factors. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Pros also has a really cool review and refine feature, so every time I buy a new bottle, I get to tell them how they did, and they make tweaks to improve my next bottle even more. It literally gets better the longer I use it. And as a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty, and they're also cruelty-free. And they're risk-free. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've ever had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair care regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. All right, let's get to some end matter. Let's. What are you obsessed with this week? I'm really excited to share this with you because I have a beauty obsession and for the first time in a long time, it's not something that you recommended to me. So maybe I can recommend something I'm to excited you. yeah what is this okay so I got the Victoria Beckham satin kajal liner in bronze and um, as you will probably not be surprised to hear I was completely influenced by an Instagram ad I kept getting an ad for this and it's like a sparkly bronze eyeliner that is kind of smudgy and in the ad they they basically just do an eye where they kind of like do a cat eye and line it with just the eyeliner and then kind of smudge it out and then uh, line the lower lash line with it as well. And I just thought it looked so cool. It was like a one product eye look. And I was like, I got to try it. It stalked me on Instagram for like a couple weeks and I like just lost my will. So I bought it at Violet Gray and it came and I used it for the first time when I was in San Francisco. Grace, I really like it. Oh, I'm going to. It's like a. I'm going to order this. Soft. Yeah, it's like a soft kind of like smudgy eyeliner. And then it comes one side is the eyeliner and the other side has like a blending smudger kind of thing. 
and I I did my my eyes for it in San Francisco because I was like ah, I like don't want to bring an eyeshadow palette like I'll just bring this thing I'm I'm obsessed with it I'm thinking about getting the navy one too I love a navy eyeliner yeah so let me know what you think if you get this because I'm I was really impressed but the bronze is definitely like okay I think should be your first there's choice. also a really pretty green I'm thinking about Ooh. And the cocoa. Because I like to do like close to my lash line since I have blonde, like I have just like light hair. I need like a little like extra like dark, like right next to the to my lash line. And then I like to do a bronzy color after that. Underneath, you mean? Above it. So like I like like waterline, I do like a black or a dark brown. And then like slight line above that, I do like a a, bra- a bronze. So I don't know how good the, uh, this product would be for just using it as regular eyeliner. Like, it feels softer and smudgier, so I'm not quite sure how it would set or if it would move around a lot. Yeah. Like, I think it's supposed to be a little smudgy and messy, so just, like, keep that in mind if you're looking to, like, okay. tight line your eyes. Like, this is definitely not the product. Okay. That's good to know. I'm going to order this. Ooh. I'm excited to have influenced you on a beauty thing. Yes. I love I love other people's recommendations, so... I also went on a a Sephora shopping spree for my bed when I got back from San Francisco on Saturday night. So I have some things in the mail, including the Rose Ink like serum foundation thing that you recommended. So obsessed. I have that on right now. Yes, it's so good. Um, Tell me about your obsession. So mine's actually like a little bit more serious. I don't. It feels like it feels. It feels a little silly calling it an obsession, but it is such a great, powerful documentary. Um, Last week, I was having a really bad day, and my friend Molly and I had movie plans, and we were going to go see something light, and then she's like, this documentary is like playing in like limited, limited screening. She's like, I know you've had a really heavy day, but like, do you think that you'd want to go see this documentary with me? And I was like, yes, absolutely. So it's called Who We Are. Um, It is a chronicle of racism in America, and it's with Jeffrey Robinson, who is the deputy director of the ACLU. And he is just, he's very, very up to speed on American history. And I think this gives kind of a history lesson that a lot of Americans never got, some of it myself included. Like I went to high school on Cape Cod, which was quite liberal. And I think that, you know, we read like a people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn. So I feel like I got some of the real sides of what slavery looked like and like how like terrible white Americans were um, and what we did. But this documentary really breaks it down and there it shows a lot of Charleston. That was one of the reasons we wanted to see it because it goes to the old slave market. It um, interviews, you know, this is not something that you see every day. I just want to stress that. But it, he goes and he interviews some of the Confederate statue protesters that are waving their confederate flags down on the battery like where we go walking and like with our wine at night i'm usually there are no confederate flags but he attended one of those marches and like talked to the guys and got their take and and you know you have these men holding their flags saying the civil war wasn't about slavery and you know he just is so calm and breaks it down for them and has like really great conversations with them I just, um, I cried several times watching this. It got me out of my head. Like sometimes when you're feeling bad about your, about stuff you're dealing with, um, or or you're stressed about your own stupid life, watching something more serious will, is like the perfect perspective check. But I loved this. I think every single person should watch this. Um, 
It is not streaming yet, but if it's in a theater near you, I can't recommend it enough. I just think there are so many really great documentaries about slavery and racism, but this is one that can't be missed. And it's also extremely engaging. Like, it's not dry. Um, It's really engaging the whole time, which sometimes not just um, slave, like a documentary about slavery, but a lot of documentaries in general can be pretty dry. Oh, I'll have to look this up and see if this is playing anywhere near me. Yeah, it was good on the big screen, too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What about on the book side? Okay, so I am now listening to Olga Dies Dreaming by Sochil Gonzalez, which you would recommend. Isn't it so good? It's so good. How far are you? I am about 60% through. Oh, okay. I um, I love it. So you're like in I it. love the characters. I love an audiobook where it feels like it's being acted out versus just read to you. I'm learning, like, I think, you know, I guess it's a romance. Is it a romance? Like, is it contemporary fiction? It has a little romance. I kind of thought of it as more of, like, a complicated family story. Yeah, it's more about the family. If I had to bucket it. Yeah, but it's so much more than that. I think, you know, there's so much important talk about sexuality and, like, you know, supporting a gay member of your family, for example. There's a lot about Puerto Rican culture and history, and I think it's, just such a smart book, kind of just kind of cleverly packaged as a fluffy book. Yeah, agree. So I'm loving that. Um, I I'm really excited for the TV adaptation of that. I'm excited too. I think it's going to be great. I finished a very nice girl by Imogen Crimp, and this I kept like when I would do Instagram Q and A's. I'm not sure if it was the same person asking, but like several, this is, you can influence me if you keep asking the same question in my question box, but I got several messages asking me to read this and what I thought of it. So I was like, clearly I have to read this book and I ordered it on Amazon and I did not love it. It's about this girl. She's 25 years old. She's studying opera. She's living in London. She's really struggling. Like her life is a mess. She starts dating this older man who he's an older man, but he's younger than me. He's 39. Oh God, that hurts. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I'm just not the target. I don't want to read about messy 25 year olds. I want to read about 30 and 40 somethings falling in love. If if I'm reading something like with with a romance element, I want to see like women with their acts together that are like strong and, you know, have thriving friend groups. I just, I'm not in a place where I enjoy a book about a messy 25 year old I'll tell you the writing is very good it's been compared to kind of if sweet bitter and normal people had a baby she also has oh that sounds quite good yeah yeah so I think and it's funny because I see that completely and I enjoyed sweet bitter so much but I think I enjoyed sweet bitter because of the restaurant angle um less than about the like messy 21 year old yeah um, working in agree so I really enjoyed it. I will also say that it's, and I said it's beautifully written, but I know a lot of you, when you read Normal People with us for book club, were annoyed that Sally Rooney just doesn't use quotation marks. This author also doesn't use quotation marks, which drives me crazy. Uh (laughs) Does that bother you? You know, I enjoyed Normal People so much that it didn't bother me in that context. Yeah. I think if I were reading a lesser book, maybe it would. Yeah. Um, But I kind of got used to it and... It had its own rhythm that I I didn't ever feel. And it, it was a kind of intimate book, so I never felt confused about who was talking. Like, it wasn't like you're at a party with, like, 17 people and you're like, who the, who the heck is talking? Yes. I think I enjoyed normal people so much that I was willing to overlook it. And then with this one, I wasn't – it just wasn't vibing with me quite as much. And um, so I, it was – it pissed me off more. 
And then I just started reading Violetta by Isabel Allende. And this was recommended to me by my mom. She said it's the best book she's read like all year. And she just hasn't been able to stop talking about it. And this is... I really haven't read much of it yet, so I don't have a lot to say yet, but it's um, set in South America and it starts out around the time of the Spanish flu. So it goes it 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 goes on through time, but I'm still during the flu period. And it's interesting because they're locked down. They're wearing face coverings like this is so long ago, but it's like so much of the same that we just came out of. I'll be interested to see how you feel about it once you're a little further in. Yes. What are you reading? So I'm going back through my pile of books I started screening for April Book Club and then put aside because they were not book club picks, but I did want to finish them. So you have heard me talk about both of these before. I finished One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle, and I am disappointed to say that I did not love it. It was kind of middle of the road for me. I didn't hate it. Yeah. It just didn't have – I loved In Five Years. I loved In Five Years so much. That book punched me in the heart. And I didn't feel very much about this one. It um, is set in, in Italy in the Amalfi Coast, and the setting is beautiful, and the food sounded amazing, and her outfit sounded great. But the plot itself, I thought it had an interesting hook, but then it didn't really I, – I wasn't super – it didn't keep me. Okay. I guess. That's funny. I packed that for Anguilla, and I'm like, now I'm like, should I not bring it? I don't know. I think it would actually be kind of a delightful, fluffy vacation book. That's what I was thinking. Um, but I don't think it's going to crack your best books of the year list. Okay. It, it's, I'm going to read Knowing it. you. It's but like, for other people, maybe. But, you know, Rebecca Searle, Christina Lauren, those are – Taylor Jenkins Reed, Jenkins Reed. Those are authors that I have to read whatever yes. – no matter what. And I'm curious to see if you'll feel differently because it's a, it's a lot about a mother-daughter relationship. And somebody commented on my post – when I posted my monthly reads and I said that this wasn't quite for me and they said that they had just been sobbing their way through it because they have their mother was their best friend and this just really like touched them. So I think it also might just be that I'm I wasn't the right audience for it. So I finished that and now I'm reading The Christie Affair by Nina de Gramont, which you read I guess like a month or so ago now. And you had said that it's slow in the beginning, but it's all worthwhile for the payoff and it gets there. So I'm in the slow part and I'm having a little bit of a slog getting through it Mm. I just also haven't had a lot of time to sit down and read yeah so I'm kind of just like taking little bites at a time but I haven't I haven't turned the corner yet okay I loved this one so I'll be curious to get your final take on it well I'm actually glad that you read it first and and gave me the warning that it was a little slow but then everything pays off and becomes important because otherwise I think I might have um dnf'd it oh yeah Keep, keep with it keep with it I'm going to I'm going to And then we have our March book club pick, which is Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson, which is about two estranged siblings. Um, Their mother passes away and um, she leaves behind a Caribbean black cake and an eight hour voice memo in which she tells them some explosive secrets that they they did not know previously. I have not read this one yet. I let Grace choose the book club pick because it is her last month as a host and I'm going to read it. Uh, next week. So I'm as close to the book club episode as possible when I read it. But I'm very excited. I've heard raves from you, Grace. I've Olivia raved about it. I've just everywhere on the internet I've seen this has been accompanied by like a rave review. So I'm very excited. It's my favorite book of 2022 so far. Can't wait. 
In the meantime, if you'd like some more of us, you can find us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. We also have a Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. My blog is thestripe.com and linked on my blog and my Instagram is a link to join my weekly newsletter. I send out newsletters every Friday. I'm going I decided today I'm going to I was thinking about like a new format for it. I'm going to move my highs and lows to my newsletter. So Cute. if you want to keep up with me there, sign up. I send them every Friday and then like once in a while if there's like a really big sale or something on my mind, I'll send another one. Okay. Um, and I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And uh, my new fiction podcast, Bone Mary Berry, is out now wherever you get um, wherever you get your pods. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.